Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Kevin O'Connor. Kevin is a physical therapist that owns his own practice, Impact Physical Therapy and Performance in Laguna Nigel, California. Kevin earned his undergraduate degree from the University of California, Irvine in 2011 while playing on the men's soccer team. He then proceeded to earn his doctorate from Nova Southeastern University in Florida. Kevin is also a board certified orthopedic clinical specialist. Kevin now owns his own practice and he works primarily with athletes with a particular specialty in golfers. He has been trained through the Titleist Performance Institute to work with golfers across all ages and ability levels. Welcome to the show, Kevin, and thank you for coming on. I'm excited to talk about golf and some rotational power sports today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited. Now this will be uh, this will be fun. So we kind of always start just letting people get to get to know you a little bit more. So what uh, what kind of led you into the physical therapy profession? Yeah, so um, while I was playing soccer in college, I actually I tore my ACL, um, and I was misdiagnosed. So I was going through rehab, um, thought I had a, a patellar contusion, you know, basically a, a bruise, um, and I had to actually stop playing. So um, I started working as an aide at the clinic I was doing my rehab at, and um, just kind of fell in love with it, and um, you know, wanted to help athletes get properly diagnosed and get the care that they need, so that you know they don't have to stop their sport. So that's kind of my journey. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, uh, that's so common in this profession. I feel like, uh, you know, I remember the first, first day of PT school is like everyone went around the room about why you, why you got into the, into the profession and like nine out of 10, it was some, some type of injury that a PT that they liked and they wanted to, wanted to, uh, help other people as well. Yeah, it was almost like a competition. Like, who, who had the most surgeries before coming to PT school? <laughs> the, badge, the badge of honor. <laughs> exactly. It's like a rite of passage, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we dive too far into golf, um, just, you know, curious. We work with a lot of, of high school athletes that, that want to play in college, and we, we support a lot of college uh, student athletes currently. I know a lot of those guys listen to this podcast. Um, so off topic – before we dive too far into golf, what's, can you just talk about what the balance was like between going to, you know, pretty rigorous um, academic institution and trying to play a D one sport at the same time? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, It's, it's almost like having a a full-time job (laughs) plus going to school and taking a full caseload. So um, I think the best advice I could give is, you know, when you're in season, try and take a lighter load um you know with travel and things like that and then when you're not in season that's when you can kind of build up your load a little bit and and take some more classes and um you know I took summer school I think pretty much every year so um 
that way when you're in season you don't have to take as many classes and you have more time to dedicate to the sport uh, and even if there's a local junior college around your institution i mean those classes qualify as well so um, if you can't get the summer school classes you need at your institution um, look at the junior colleges around too yeah no that's uh that's awesome really good advice i'm sure it I'm sure it teaches you some time management techniques that i mean you and i owning our own businesses and and being clinicians still and, and trying to do all this i'm sure that kind of having that experience in in school has served you well going forward uh in life following definitely and it it almost kind of forces you to do that too because practices this time every single day from here to here so that you know that's kind of blocked out for you and um you know, usually freshman year, they set you up with some kind of study hall too. Um, and you have to make certain grades to kind of step out of that, qualify not to be in there. So it, it almost forces you to, to learn those skills. And, you know, it helps you with whatever you want to do in life going forward. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. Well, thanks for sharing about that stuff. Um, now let's get into kind of your, uh, your wheelhouse with, uh, with golf. So you and I have both gone through the Talus Performance Institute certifications. Um, for those that aren't familiar, could you could you give the listeners a little bit of background about what TPI is? Yeah, so um, TPI, uh, Talus Performance Institute, it's, it's based out of Oceanside here in California. It's about 40 minutes away from us uh, south, closer to, to San Diego. Uh, so I've actually been down there a couple of times, but it was started by... Um, Dr. Greg Rose, he's a chiropractor, and Dave Phillips, he's a golf instructor. So they basically came together and they said, how can we work together and be on the same page with our athletes and kind of work as a team? So they developed this golf screen. Um, it's kind of similar to how the SFMA and FMS are built out. Um, Greg Rose actually works on, on those as well. And they came up with a screen that um, golf instructors, medical professionals, and fitness professionals, they can all perform the same screen. So in level one, they all take the same course and they all learn the same terminology and the same screening. So it's specific to golf and it basically tells you what your golfer, what your athlete can physically do. Um, and then for the golf instructor, you know, they're not trying to teach somebody something in the swing that they can't physically do. Right. Um, and then they really stress a team approach. So they think that a golfer should have someone that teaches them golf, right. Someone that teaches them fitness and then a medical professional to be able to, um, consult with as well. So, you know, a fitness professional might know some mobility drills, but if someone's in pain, they need to be able to refer to a medical professional. Um, if a golf coach sees that, you know, their athlete can't raise their arm over their head, they need to be able to consult with a medical professional. Hey, is this something that you can fix or is this kind of something that I need to work around? So um, they've done all kinds of research with all, you know, not just Titleist players, but all these pro athletes, PGA, LPGA, and they have all the data and they've come up with these courses. Um, so a golf instructor, um, a medical professional or a fitness professional can go and get certified through, through these courses. And I think they've done a really nice job. Yeah, no, I think, uh, that's helpful. I think 
you know, some people kind of, they, they've shown up on TV and, and it's kind of being talked about more, but I still think people don't, don't totally know, um, you know, what it is. I mean, I, I think that they deserve a ton of credit for, you know, when you see the, the distance explosion and the low scores and, you know, kind of golfers really becoming athletes, like they've really been probably them and Tiger Woods have been the, the biggest, uh, uh, drivers of that. Um, I think the other thing that um, that you pointed out that that people don't know is that it's actually a place. It's like it's like golfing. It's like golfing heaven. <laughs> like they've got three driving ranges, uh, putting greens, just this incredible short short game area that like you can literally you can literally go there and and uh, you know the average person can. I have no idea what it would cost, but the average person could go and you know be assessed just like uh, you know Rory McIlroy. So. Um, I think one of the interesting things about golf is there's kind of a lot of ways to take the conversation because um, it's one of the few sports that you can literally play from almost cradle to to grave. I mean, you can uh, talk about having four or five-year-olds um, starting to play in junior golf. And I mean, you've got guys that are playing into their 80s, 90s and, and beyond in some cases. Um, and I think one of the things that I've seen a lot is that each, each age group has different like areas that they could improve or opportunities. Um, they have different injuries and, and problems, um, that, that could be impacting their performance. So just kind of from a, from an overview standpoint, like why are two physical therapists talking about golf and, uh, how does, how does the body relate, relate to the golf swing? Yeah. I mean, I think we, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but the game has really changed a lot, you know, starting with Tiger. And now you look at any of the top players now, they are athletes, you know, they're athletes first, they're stronger. Um, they move better. They're swinging faster. Um, and you know, these, these higher forces and swing speeds, it, it kind of puts you at an injury risk. Right. Um, and then, when you're looking at a junior, somebody that's 14, 15 versus somebody who's 65 and retired and sat at a desk all, all day for 30 years, it's a totally different approach, right? And I think in terms of golf, where we as PTs, chiropractors, medical professionals fit in is um, we know how the body is supposed to move. And if it's not doing that, can we kind of maximize their potential so that they can create a better golf swing, um, create more power, be more efficient and, you know, play better, play without pain and play as long as they want to, you know, um, I hear this all the time, you know, I want to be able to play as long as I want to, not until my body tells me to stop, you know, and I think that's really where we fit in in this kind of team approach. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, it's something that, um, you know, for most of us, golf is a hobby that we enjoy. And there's an amazing number of people that will play in pain. It's like, what else do we elect to do for fun that hurts? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, I just think that, <laughs> so, yeah, that's so, so ironic. So it kind of perfectly sets us up for what I wanted to ask you about next. So from an injury standpoint, um, what are some common areas that that golfers um have pain in like what what types of things do you do you treat well i think 
you know, the most common is the lower back. And that's not only in golf, but in life as well, right? It's the most, the most common injury, the lower back. Um, and especially in golf, that might be where you're having the pain, but a lot of times that's not why the pain is there. You know, it's, it's the source of the pain, but the cause is usually something else. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different things you have to look at. I think the first one is, is probably mobility, especially in your older population or even in a junior who's going through a growth spurt, um, looking at the hips and the thoracic spine, right? Those are the joints that are supposed to rotate. A lot of people don't really realize that the lower back is supposed to go forwards and backwards primarily. It's not really supposed to rotate a lot. The problem is when we sit and drive and text and play video games, we, our, our hips and our thoracic spine get really stiff and really tight. So then when you try and rotate, you kind of hit your, your anatomical barrier um, in the thoracic spine and the hips, but we're still trying to get our full shoulder turn or full rotation. And what usually takes up that extra rotation is your lower back. And, you know, we're rotating on a joint that's supposed to go forwards and backwards. And, and that's what causes the pain. Um, I think, especially in the older population, mobility is kind of the, the lowest hanging fruit. Um, you can be as strong as you, as strong as Hercules, you know, but if you can't rotate and you can't move and get into your backswing, it's, it's not going to matter how much power you can create, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's really good. And I think that's something that kind of what, I like that you hit on is that like the importance of um, kind of understanding what the problem is with that person. Like you could just, yeah, we could generalize that most of the time it's mobility or things like that. Or most of the time in juniors, it's, it might not be mobility, but until you actually look, you don't really know, you know, and that's, that's kind of, I think one of the, the things that I've always taken away from, um, from kind of their, their philosophy is like, it's important to at least ask the question like you could assume it's not the problem but it's important to at least just check and and rule it out before you move on to the next next thing um so kind of with um low back pain being the the most common issue that you see um you kind of mentioned that mobility issues can can contribute to it um but what are some things that you'll try to tackle with a with a golfer that's dealing with lower back pain yeah we, we we talked about mobility but there's definitely other things that that we can attack as well um another one would, would be strength um specifically you know the glutes and and the core um and with the core you know you need to be able to create power um and rotate right so you see a lot of programs including med ball throws against the wall but you also need to be able to resist rotation, right? So um, when I see some people coming in and they show me their, their fitness program that someone made for them, you know, it almost always includes a, a cable rotation or a med ball throw rotating, but a lot of times it's lacking some anti-rotation exercises, right? So it's, I use this analogy all the time. It's like, how good is a Ferrari without brakes? You know, <laughs> so yeah. you need to be able to resist rotation too. Um, and then another big one I think is control. You know, a couple of the tests in the TPI screen, it's just looking at, can you stand there and separate your hips from your upper body? Can you keep your lower body stable 
and separate your upper body. Um, that one and then the pelvic tilt, I think, you know, kind of moving your pelvis forward as if your belt was going down towards the ground and then tucking it back up. That's a movement that happens pretty quickly in the golf swing. Um, and a lot of people just can't even do it standing, you know, so that's, that could just be a control issue. They might have the mobility and the strength, but their brain just doesn't actually know how to do it. Um, and in people like that, that's something that if you can kind of teach that, teach the brain how to do that, you can see results pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, you know, with a lot of those, we see, you know, guys have sometimes been playing with, especially your, you know, your recreational older golfer have been dealing with back pain. Some of them only when they play golf and some of them just throughout their life for, for years. And they almost like they've either been told or just like forget how to move through their back. Like they've been told that they shouldn't move through it or things like that. And, um, just even kind of rebuilding their confidence that like, Hey, it's okay. Your back's actually is designed to move. It's okay to actually bend and, and extend and flex and rotate. It's not going to blow up and, uh, getting them to control that motion motion again can be, um, like really powerful and, and eye opening for them. Yeah. You know, that that's education, right? So many people after having a back injury, you know, they have a, a slipped disc 20 years ago or something like that. Right. And, just educating them that, well, you know, if we kind of reintroduce these movements, your brain's going to realize that it's actually okay to, to bend over and hinge at your hips and, and twist and pick up heavy things. Right. And the back is resilient, right? It's really strong. We just have to know that it's okay to do these things and get strong in those positions. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's awesome. So, okay. That's kind of gives a good, uh, good overview of, uh, the most common injury that we see in golf. Um, that's unfortunately, or fortunately not what most people want to talk about. Uh, everyone wants to talk more about how to play better golf for the most part. Um, so what are some, what are some common goals that clients will come into you, uh, with from a game improvement standpoint? Well, I've never had anybody tell me they want to hit it shorter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, that's, that's, the biggest one is they want to hit the ball farther, right? They've yeah. lost distance. They've, they bought the newest driver, but it's still not going anywhere. They can't get the ball up in the air. Right. Um, that's probably the biggest one. And then I would say the other one is I just want to be able to play as long as possible. Right. I don't want to be sitting in the clubhouse playing poker. I want to be out on the course as long as I can. And I think those are probably the two biggest things that people come in with. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty similar to what we see. So the other, the other thing that we've seen a couple, um, recently we've had a couple guys that have a specific score. Like I've got a guy right now that, you know, wants to shoot his age in his sixties. Um, and, uh, so we've had a couple of those and then we've had a couple recently of, um, guys that were at a certain handicap before they had a hip replacement and then following, following the hip replacement. Now they're, 10 shots higher around or something. And like they've added that specific goal of like, I want to get back to where I was playing prior to having, having this joint replaced or something like that. Um, but yeah, by far, uh, I want to hit it farther is, is we usually don't get too far past that. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I think, you know, 
you're seeing someone that had a hip replacement, um, you know, I think you and I both see people quite often that have done rehab somewhere else before. Yeah. Right. And that, that's really diving into what their rehab program actually looked like. You know, did they do anything specific to golf towards the end phases? And a lot of times the answer is no. Yeah. And that's where we come in and it's really eye opening for them, you know, and a lot of times it's, you know, building that strength back up in the hip and, building confidence to be able to post and rotate onto that hip. And um, it's just something that's not really seen in a lot of traditional rehab programs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and then just, I think that the, you know, one of the best things that Tyler does is it lets you um, communicate with a golf pro and, and the player in a way that makes sense. Um, you know, cause there's some easy compensations for maybe, maybe following that hip replacement they're, not going to get that same rotation back or something like that, that, you know, can be as easy as just being like, well, have you thought about turning your toe, letting yourself turn your toe out where you don't have to get into that position or, you know, talking to the golf pro about like, you know, this guy's got this limitation now that he might not be able to do what he was doing before. He might not be able to make the same moves and uh, just being able to communicate and understand like, okay, now we have this fake joint that, has this limitation um being able to understand like what that might lead to in the swing and then um not that it's our job to teach around it by any st stand um any stretch but just to be able to communicate with both the player and the um golf pro about like why they might be having this problem and that there might be other solutions to it can be really helpful yeah i, I think having everyone take that level one course together, teaching the same terminology really helps. Um, I think sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to speak with a golf coach who has not been through TPI, right? Cause they, well, you're, you're looking at a swing or well, what are you, are you teaching him golf? And I think you have to be really careful with those conversations when you're building that relationship. Right. And it's, I'm trying to help. I'm not, I'm not trying to teach him something different. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of treading water lightly, I guess, you know, yeah. but um, building those relationships with, with people who, who haven't gone through TPI, you know, you can teach them how you are valuable and, you know, maybe, maybe they end up going through the TPI thing as well. Yeah, no, I think we've had some, some pros that, I mean, are, have definitely heard about it and are interested. Maybe they're thinking about doing it and they're pretty open to it. Um, you know, but I've, I've just found like almost every pro you talk to them about like, what's the hardest lesson you give? And all of them are like, it's the player that I think they understand what I'm asking them to do. They just can't do it. And it's like, well, have you ever thought about like, whether they literally can't do it? Like, I know you're saying like, they can't follow through on what you're saying, but like, what if they physically can't do what you're asking them? And half of them are like, that's, you know, I've never, never thought about that. I just always blame the student that they just can't execute it, but maybe, maybe I'm asking them to do something they can't do. Yeah. And if they can't do it, how do they teach around it? Right. Yeah. I think that's something that titleists in, you know, in their golf level two and three, they actually, they teach that, you know, if, if I do this screen and they can't ro externally rotate their shoulder, what are some swing compensations I can teach them? Um, so that I'm not trying to force them to do something that they can't actually physically do. Yeah, no, that's, uh, 
That's awesome. So with, uh, let's just kind of take your, the number one thing that we both see. So um, on the performance side, so the golfer that wants to hit it farther, um, what, what types of stuff do you work on improving with someone that has that goal? Yeah, uh, there's obviously different things we can look at. Um, one thing that we already covered is, is mobility, right? Can they actually create a shoulder turn? Um, the other one is, is strength, speed, and those two together, obviously power. Um, and a third thing that we haven't really talked about is are they efficient in their swing? Um, are they getting into a position that puts the abdominals in a disadvantageous position and they're not maximizing what they can physically do, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's something that um, looking at their, at their sequencing, um, they might be throwing their hands too early and not, not generating the force with their lower body. I think that's super common, especially in the older population. They, they don't really know how to use the ground, right? Um, and just teaching them to start with their legs and start with their hips, um, that'll definitely help them hit the ball farther. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I think everyone's always um, like shocked that it's like, well, uh, vertical jump performance on the PGA Tour is directly related to driving distance. And, um, you know, and what's related to vertical jump performance? Well, squat strength and squat power and those type of things, like just some basic, um, basic stuff that is just, you know, fundamental athletic movements that definitely carry over into into golf the golf swing yeah definitely so for for lower body vertical jump is is definitely correlated with how far you can hit the ball um and then two other tests that tpi has come up with is uh, a sit-up med ball throw you know that's looking at your core your core power and then a, a seated med ball toss which is looking at kind of upper body power so those are the the three basic tests you can do for lower body core and upper body power. And then the nice thing about those three tests is the numbers should be similar across those three. Right? Yeah. So you can really see which one is lacking and that's where you can really focus your program and, and get the most bang for your buck. Yeah, that was perfect. So that kind of um, leads me into the next thing I was going to ask you about. So um, what's your, what's your assessment process like? We've kind of um, gone around a little bit. So it sounds like looking at mobility, maybe power, trying to look at the sequencing, but so let's just say, you know, I'm a new golfer coming into your, your clinic. What do you, uh, what do you take me through? Yeah. So if you're, you're coming in for the first time, there's a good chance we probably talked on the phone a little bit already, but um, at first we're just going to talk, you know, and that might, that might take 20, 25 minutes, you know, going through your entire history. Um, and actually find out what your goals are. You know, I know your goal is not to have five out of five hip strength, right? It's, <laughs> it's probably to hit the ball farther or to, to keep playing, right? Or to get back to a handicap that you were, you were previously at. Um, and after we find that out, uh, we're going to, we're going to take some shots. We're going to hit some iron shots and some driver shots. And, um, we utilize the K vest, um, which I know you guys do too. And we can probably talk a little bit more about that, yeah. but it's basically a 3d motion analysis. So it's looking at 
has four sensors on you, right? You have one on your on your chest, one on your pelvis, one on your lead arm, and one on your wrist. And it gives you degrees of motion um, in three planes throughout your swing. Um, but another thing that it really does is it looks at your efficiency, and we kind of touched on that earlier. It's is your sequence efficient, right? So a perfect sequence, you start with your lower body, then the core takes over, then the arm, and then the hand, and which is acting as the club. And more often than not, someone that has lost distance is not in the correct sequence, right? And this is just something that you can't see with the naked eye, right? It's you're, you're guessing basically. Um, so that would give us a, a ton of information, right? Probably more than we actually need, <laughs> but, um, then we'll go, we'll go back and we'll do a movement evaluation. So we'll do you know, the, the TPI screening and, you know, our, more of our medical, um, PT evaluation, um, take that information, um, together, you know, the, the K-Vest and the movement evaluation, bring it together and, and come up with a plan, find out where you're lacking efficiency find out where you're lacking mobility strength and, and come up with a plan um, and then basically teach you what your home program is going to be um, and then see you again in another week <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's uh that's perfect it's kind of similar to what what we'll do with a with a golfer too um kind of following that that same process so let's kind of mention the KVS. So yeah, we, we use it for both golf and, and baseball. Um, what have you found kind of the most, most helpful with, uh, with using that or what, what feedback have you gotten clients, uh, from clients with that have been able to go through it? Yeah. Um, you know, I've had, when I first got it, I had some clients that I was already working with, um, you know, get set up on it and they, they loved it. They, they love seeing the data to back up what you're telling them, right? And <clears throat> it'll pick up on things that you didn't, right? You know, if I look at an evaluation that I did before I used KVEST, there were some things that you just can't see. Um, one of them is getting into a reverse spine angle, right? And that's, that's basically in, at the top of your backswing, if you're a right-handed golfer, you're leaning too far left or too far backwards, right? So you're, you're basically extending at your lower back and that predisposes you to pain on the downswing as you kind of shut those things, shut those things down. And, you know, we're talking two, three degrees range of motion that you're just, you're not going to see with the naked eye, you know? So I, I think, that is something that is really valuable. And then also um, being able to see their sequencing, right? So are they in the correct sequence? Um, because if they're not, there are some little tweaks that you can do to get them in a better sequence so that they can hit the ball farther, right? I use this analogy a lot. It's like, if you had a slingshot, would whatever you're slinging go farther if the base was stable or if it was moving, right? Obviously if it was stable. So that's something where, where the efficient the kinematic sequence really comes into play. Yeah. That's, that's kind of similar to how we use it. We, we just say like without it, you know, and full disclosure, I'm a huge biomechanics nerd. So um, we measure everything that I can, I can find a way to, to reliably measure. And uh, I think without it, you're just, 
you're just guessing, you know, and, and it, it uh, really lets you break down in detail with objective, repeatable um, tests you can do over time to, to track progress. And if you're, you know, what you're working on, is it working? Are they getting closer? And uh, um, we found it helps give people like very good context, so, like particularly some of the high school kids. Um, so we use it with like baseball hitters too, that, you know, when we give them something and you can be like, okay, so this is affecting your exit velo on, on your swing. And this exercise is trying to help improve that. And then if we improve that, you're going to hit the ball harder. Like, boom, they just went from like maybe never doing the thing that you wanted them to do to like, it's going to get done every day and maybe twice a day, <laughs> depending on what it is um, as, we, as we go through there. Definitely. I mean, if you can, if you can show them how what you're giving them is going to improve their golf swing or, you know, their baseball swing or whatever, their compliance rate just goes through the roof. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, then the other thing that we talk to people about is it's like, you know, you could look at the, the outcome is driving distance or you're losing the ball to the right or you're hitting it fat or thin or whatever the case may be. Like that's the, that's the end result. But there was like 3,000 things before that that could have led up to that. And I think that that's what um, the KVS has helped us with is like, okay, well, and again, we don't give golf lessons, but like we'll, we'll share the data with the golf coach and let's just go back and say like, okay, well, at the setup, they're doing this because maybe they're just setting up wrong and like, boom, that's a super easy lesson if it fixes their problem the golf coach looks like a genius because like one lesson and they like got to the heart of the problem, but it lets you go back through and say like, where did like, what led like the end result was the ball flight that you didn't like, but what contributed to that? And that's, I think what the KVS has helped us like help people get, um, you know, get to the bottom of. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I like that it has the biofeedback on it as well. Um, you know, if let's say someone's getting into their backswing and they're kind of standing up into a flat shoulder plane, right? Instead of keeping their lead shoulder down, you can actually set up a biofeedback session where they get they go into their backswing and they're they're avoiding that flat shoulder, and then they can take some swings with that. So I, I really like the biofeedback on it as well. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. It's definitely been something that's been you know, really helpful for us. It's been, you know, practical. It doesn't take that long. And, um, you know, a lot of the golf pros that we've, um, taken through it have found it really helpful with info for their, their clients with the lessons. And, and we've, I kind of, when I first got it as a, as a test, I sort of just took a lot of the golf pros that we work with, like through an assessment and like, it matched up like perfectly. They're like, yeah, I, this is my problem. I'm like, I know I'm working on it. And like, without fail so far it's been yep in the in the numbers and in the data that's that's uh that's your problem you're you were right on and uh um it kind of but it lets them quantify it and then um you know we've done some of that biofeedback with them where they can really like feel it and for someone like that that's a great player like they can take that right away and like use it for the high handicapper they still need to you know go through those lessons and learn some of those positions and things like that but um the better players it can be like 
very, very helpful um, to make really fast, fast changes. Yeah, that's, you know, when you're looking at a golf coach or even a, a really low handicap, a lot of times they can, they can kind of almost predict what, <laughs> what the KVS is going to say because they, they are so fine tuned with their swing and, but confirming it um, is, is really valuable for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. So then um, just backing up a little bit and going away from the the tech side and into the, uh, back into the fitness side, what's, what's some like misconceptions or um, like myths or things that aren't being done super well around uh, like quote unquote golf fitness um, right now? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest ones and it's probably true kind of across all sports is individualization of, of the fitness program. Right. So um, you have a, a golf team, let's say a high school team, um, they don't all need the same exact program, right? Like someone could be really strong. They just can't move where somebody else is really mobile, but they have no control over it. Right. So I think individualization is a big thing. Um, And then another thing with, with juniors is not all 11 year olds can do the same thing, right? Especially if you're teaching males and females, Um, they're growing at, at different rates and, you know, they're, their biological age is, is probably very different, right? You can have like, I think it's like two and a half years either way. So you can see like a five, six year gap between two 11 year olds, you know? So I think that that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, but I think that's probably true across, across a lot of different sports. Yeah. No, I'd, uh, I'd agree that the junior side is something that, um, you know, I've got a two-year-old at home, so he's, he's not, he's not there yet, but it's, uh, it's coming. I'm like already, you know, he's putting down in the, in the living room, uh, all, all the time. And, uh, I'm already, you know, starting to, to get excited about being able to do stuff with him to hopefully help him really learn to love the game and, and be able to play as much as he'd like to and at a level that he wants to and have fun and, and stay healthy with it. But I think it something like that tends to get missed um, you know, quite a bit. It's like 200 juniors go to the range and just like all pound balls for a couple hours. And that's, that's junior golf a lot of places. And I think that's something that um, the TPI guys definitely are, are really trying to, to change and, and get the next generation better, better prepared. Definitely. Yeah. And when, when they're younger like that, it's, it's gotta be fun. Right. And, and I think if you went to a, a TPI junior course, you know, they're, a lot of times not even hitting golf balls, right? They're like swinging bats and jumping and running and because kids want to have fun, you know, if they, if they're not having fun, they're not going to want to do it and they're not going to fall in love with the game. And um, I think that's something that that TPI is really working hard on is developing the junior programs around here. Yeah. When you see, um, I mean, you see so many pro golfers now that had athletic careers in other sports growing up, or you see so many you know, pro athletes that end up being exceptional golfers because they've got the basic skills that, that transfer, you know, you see football quarterbacks are generally good golfers. A lot of hockey players are good golfers. You've got, you know, Steph Curry, that's actually playing in, in, you know, uh, in tour events and and things like that. And, um, you know, athleticism is athleticism. It's just what you end up applying it to. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you got to be an athlete first, right? I, I, too many times I think you see, a, you know, a, a seven-year-old hitting 200 balls a day on the range with their their dad in a chair, you know, reading a book or something. And that's just the, the kid's going to hate the game in six months, you know. So um, golf is definitely not one of the sports that you want to specialize in early on. You know, you want to play a bunch of different sports and get get good at different things and then then you can pick your sport, you know, yeah. just, just be an athlete. <laughs> yeah. There you, there you go. Okay. Last, last thing I want to tackle before we, uh, before we let you go, um, kind of the other misconception that we, we deal with all the time when a golfer walks in into our office is, um, uh, is like, so you give golf lessons. Um, so what's, what's kind of your, your response to, uh, to that? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, you gotta be, you got to be careful. Um, you might have suggestions, but I think you need to take that up with the, with the coach. And, um, the facility that I'm in is actually an, an indoor golf facility. So there are instructors in the same building as me. So it's very easy to just, if they don't already have a coach, introduce them to one, you know, um, and you don't want to kind of step on the toes of their instructor that they already have. Um, but we do not give golf lessons. No, <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we do. We still see it a lot though. And I, my like stock answer has been, uh, we, you know, I know I'm, I'm the guy that can tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, like the KVS can give you 3000 things that you're not doing exactly correctly. Um, probably only a couple of those really make a difference. And there's maybe one within that list that like would clean everything else up. Right. And I'm like, but that's not my area of expertise. Like that's why, you know, I give you, I give the golf coach this information and they're the, they're the experts that can sift through and be like, Oh, um, this is the thing we need to work on. And this is the drill that we're going to do to, to do it. And it, it makes, you know, really, a big difference that way. I mean, we haven't totally gone to it yet, but I'm, you know, we get close every day to being like, you know, if you really want to make changes, like outside of you just want to play without pain. Like, I think we can do a reasonable job of helping them, but like, you want to hit the ball farther, you want to lower your handicap. I'm like, there's got to be a, an instructor involved somehow because, yeah, there's a physical component, but without the incorporation into your swing, like, I work with a ton of pro pitchers. They can swing the club really fast, but very few of them are actually good golfers. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I can, I can help you hit the ball 20 yards farther, but that doesn't mean it's going to go straight. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's going to go 20 yards in one direction or the other. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I had a, I had an eye opening one the other day that um, I've got a guy that's you now worked for, with me for probably a year kind of, initially with some pain stuff and then now just, you know, just continuing to, he's, he's one of the ones that wants to shoot in his age in his sixties and, and he's a great player. He's a four handicap. So he's a very good player and, uh, uh, made huge physical improvements like dramatically, but almost like he'd learned how to actually rotate. Like he'd played golf without really rotating for most of his life. And, uh, um, when we gave him the ability to, you know, separate his hips and actually turn his shoulders, start hitting the ball fat and thin. He was hitting better with the driver, but iron play like very inconsistent because he had all this extra motion all of a sudden. And, um, 
we did like a joint session with the with a golf pro and you know we'd done the KVS. we knew he had flat shoulder plane he was kind of trying to work on it on his own i'm like and i'm like we gotta go take a lesson I'll, I'll even come with you it'll be good and like boom like 15 minutes one or two drills of getting him to get the feeling and like it just all started to click and like he's able to take all the physical progress that he'd seen and like start to incorporate it into his swing i just thought that was a cool cool moment to like get to see see it work together yeah that's that's the definition of the team approach right there you know and even a even a four handicap they can get four strokes better right (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so no, that was uh, that was awesome. I'm always uh, always enjoy enjoy talking golf. Um, so to to wrap it up before we finish here, we usually do a, a lightning round with a couple of fun uh, fun questions to uh, to uh, let let people get to know you a little bit better. So what's the what's your career golf highlight? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Probably my first eagle on a par five. Um, I wasn't even on in two. I was on, on the fringe and it was probably a 18 foot putt from the fringe that I, that I sunk. And that was my first Eagle. <laughs> nice. nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I hit my first hole in one the uh, day I got back from the TPI level one course. <laughs> You're like, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Instant improvement. Just, <laughs> just sitting in the room. Uh, no, that's, uh, that's really fun. What's, uh, you got any like bucket list courses or what's, what's a, a course that's on your list that you want to try to go play next? Uh, I think, you know, cause it's pretty close. I think Pebble beach would be a great trip. Yeah. Um, and you know there's different courses you can play up there too but as soon as i get the funds i'll let you know and we can take a trip yeah yeah there we go uh, we'll we'll make a make a weekend out of it uh that'd be that'd be uh really fun what's uh what's something in your own game that you're um you're you've worked on um recently or that you're currently working on early extension for sure um you know, I, I grew up playing baseball, so I, I, I want to always like kind of lunge towards the ball. Right. Yeah. And, um, avoiding that has been a constant battle for me, but it's, it's something that's super common. So, um, you know, I've got to kind of practice what I preach. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, we're, we're always the best at uh, telling other people what they could, what they should do and not always the greatest at doing it ourselves. So, all right. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It was a great conversation. Um, and I hope the golfers around the, uh, our area and your area are t- able to take a lot away from this interview. Um, so where can our listeners and people learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So, um, we're in Laguna Niguel, California. Um, our Instagram is impact underscore PTP and our website is impactptp.com. Awesome. We'll uh, make sure we get those in the show notes. So uh, thank you again for your time coming on today. And thanks to everyone that listened. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, follow, 
or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.